0: As the teen tycoon of rock, I'd like to hear them, and I'm sure you would, too. The Kelly Affair. I'd like to strap you on sometime. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, 1970, directed by Russ Meyer. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is great because of my mom. She watched soap operas before going to work every day. That meant I had to sit around for two hours, waiting for all my children in one life to live to be over before I could watch cartoons. I never became a fan, but as the years passed, I familiarized myself with the soap opera formula. Meandering plot plus passable acting multiplied by scandal equals melodrama. Nothing better prepares you for Russ Meyer's cult classic. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, or BVD for short, was released in 1970 and directed by auteur-breast enthusiast Russ Meyer. Meyer co-wrote the screenplay with a young Roger Ebert as a parody of 1967's Valley of the Dolls. Sometimes it's hard to tell when the filmmakers are going for laughs or just overdoing it. The dialogue is outlandish, the performances are exaggerated, and the film has an exploitative eye towards everything. I mean everything. It's a soap opera in miniature, although perhaps that's what soap operas were meant to be, anyway. Three rock musicians, Kelly, Pet, and Casey, drive to Los Angeles and get picked up by an eccentric record producer, Z-Man, and spend the rest of the movie being manipulated by the movers and shakers of the Hollywood scene. Drugs and alcohol make their entrance, numerous affairs follow, along with fights over money, and the film ends in a quadruple homicide. There are enough plot twists to snap your neck, but the film is essentially a success story. The tale of three women who gain the world and nearly lose their souls. very No, just a little bit. Don't move him anymore. I get an ambulance. the moving! It was a well-worn genre even in 1970. Valley of the Dolls, the film's namesake, was one of the better-known examples. Two lesser-known examples, The Girl in Gold Boots and The Beatniks, would reemerge on Mystery Science Theater. It shares a common structure with the musical biopic. A star is born, Star falls from grace, Star has come back. Even David Lynch took a stab at the f- success formula with Mulholland Drive back in 2001, turning it into a story about failure. It was on my fourth viewing that I started to see parallels between BVD and Mulholland Drive, and I thought I was hallucinating. This formula reached one of its many low points in Gem j- in the Holograms, a film so laughably bad that it bears referencing for that reason alone. What Beyond the Valley of the Dolls has that these films don't is a certain awareness. It knows that it's a success story, and more specifically, it knows that it has to hit certain beats. The decadent party, the big performance, the addiction, the breakup, the redemption, and most important of them all, the montage. Rather than building a movie around these cliches, Meyer and Ebert stripped out everything else. If Valley of the Dolls is Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, beyond the Valley of the Dolls is The Princess Bride. Nothing but the good parts. Now, it's your move. In the long run, you'll need someone to trust and count on. Somewhere along the way. It's my first time in a rose. Oh, nothing like a rose here. There's nothing like a rose. Nothing, nothing like a rose. Not even a Bentley! Not even a Bentley! 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 It's like a rule! A rule! A rule! Events arrive in rapid succession. All the lovemaking, drunken brawling, and seduction. One scene after another. It's an entire television drama crammed into an hour and a half. Saying, look, we all know why we're here. Let's get this done. And we'll throw in some naked women. And it was so. The film is so fast that it can't be bad. On every viewing, I pointed out awkward lines, weird details, two-dimensional characters, and truncated plots with minimal arcs. But by the time I noticed Ashley St. Ives' Suvid pickup lines, Z-Man made a bombastic speech. And before I could listen to it, the Strawberry Alarm Clock was playing a cool song. Anything wrong with the movie leaves quicker than it enters. Russ Meyer is like Bugs Bunny building a bridge across a canyon while the other side collapses behind him. He builds his film so fast that the nonsensical narrative can't catch up with him before he reaches the other side. The strangest thing is that the more I watched the film, the more nuanced the characters seemed. Not that Ebert and Meyer were looking for complexity, but it just kind of happens because of salutary neglect. The film resists moralizing, or... Well, serious moralizing, anyway. Harris, Kelly's boyfriend, resists the Hollywood lifestyle and is judgmental of the entire scene, even after he falls to its temptation. He's Kelly's boyfriend, but he's not there to pick up her pieces or anything else. He's pretty useless in general, actually, and needs more saving than all the other characters. If anything, his closed-mindedness, rather than his excess and jealousy, causes his downfall. Other characters avoid need... Neat moralizing as well. Ashley St. Ives, the porn star, has the charm of a 15-year-old boy and makes loves like she's eating dog kibble. She dumps men when they can't keep up and gets no comeuppance at the end because she disappears halfway through the film. Even Z-Man, who murders a third of the cast, doesn't fall neatly into the villainous record producer role. He's shady, he's eccentric, he has a sinister edge, but he wasn't a mass-murdering maniac until a bad drug trip was thrown into the third act. He wasn't even exploiting the talent. And you call him a record producer? Casey and Roxanne get strange treatment as well. Roxanne seduces Casey into a lesbian affair and convinces her to have an abortion. Casey, however, frequently seems out of place in Hollywood society. She's successful, but she has several bad experiences with men, is uncomfortable with attention, and avoids parties altogether. Roxanne takes an interest in her, probably with less than honorable intentions. However, she provides... Kinda... Support, if you can say that. Likely because she doesn't fit neatly into Hollywood society either. Their deaths at the end of the film may point to their past transgressions, but as the epilogue states, theirs was not an evil relationship, whatever that means. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is a movie that has aged remarkably well, despite its late 60s trappings and, shall we say, distinct writing. Nonetheless, it's an incredibly vibrant, fast-paced film whose Reckless Abandon makes makes it a distinct classic. If it hadn't been for my mother and her damn soap operas, I might not even have recognized it. So that's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Watched it five times in a row, let me tell you. And I loved it. (laughs) An ugly (laughs) prod!